OTB Rugby. Quinny is going at a million miles an hour. And bearing in mind, I didn't pass the ball that often. He was expecting the pass. He got the pass and scores. And in scoring, dislocates his shoulder. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Jenny Claffey's with us. Good morning to you, Jenny. Good morning, guys. How, How are, are you? you? Very good. Uh, so, Alcaraz. Thank God. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. What a match. What a thrilling match yesterday. Just finally, mm. finally, Djokovic has been knocked off his... It felt like he was choking in the first set. I was really worried. I think just Djokovic came out in typical Djokovic fashion. He just steamrolled him from the very beginning. He was he was just suffocating him on um, with his shots. He was playing so deep. Uh, Alcaraz, I, it looked like, didn't know what had hit him. And there was a, kind of a, a sense of, oh no, is this the, Ro- the, the Roland Garros match all mm. over again? Um, but thankfully, he managed to turn it around quite quickly then in that second set. And what a different player. How does that happen? In the mind. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I to- think- like totally, just no... There's no kind of uh, timing issues or technicalities. It's just like pure wake up. Well, he even actually alluded to that himself. Uh, he said that after the match, that he uh, he said to himself after the first set, like, "Come on, Carlos, like, let's put on a better show here." So you could see he improved his his serve percentages in the second set. Uh, he was applying more pressure on Djokovic's serve. He I think he won the first point of Djokovic's serve in every service game in that second set. So that's just applying pressure straight away off the bat to Djokovic, and he was getting into those games. Whereas in the first set, he uh, he was he wasn't he had one chance to break. I think at the first set. And then we saw a really close tiebreaker. That tiebreaker was yeah. exciting. Djokovic three love up in the tiebreaker. He also had a set point. But Alcaraz just seemed to knuckle down and was able to produce the goods and uh, unbelievable goods at that. It was a composure because the lads were saying earlier that he bottled that first set against Djokovic that maybe playing someone like did. Djokovic on set of court. Do you think so? Like, yeah. But then he, he gathered it. Composure is probably a good word for Alcaraz because he gathered himself. Yeah, it was. It was total, total battle job because the French Open semi-final was very much fresh in his mind. Like... Mm. Um, a remarkable comeback, and as Jenny said there, like Djokovic doesn't lose tie breaks. You know, fifteen tie breaks in a row this yeah. series won. But like for you, like watching it, just like from the professional aspect, what did Alcaraz do differently tactically after the first set? So I think he just settled. Firstly, he settled. Like he, he there was obviously apparent nerves there, so yeah. he settled a little bit more. He you could see he started playing with a little bit more conviction in his shot, so there was a bit more belief in what he was doing. Whereas in the first set, like Djokovic said, was just all over him. He couldn't get into the game. He started to unleash a little bit more with the forehand, and I, I, noticeably he started to come to the net a little bit more in that second set than he had in the first set, and that was a, a, a big tactic that worked against Djokovic in, in yesterday's game. And as we've seen with Alcaraz, he's got such variety in his game. He wasn't able to bring that in in the first set and we just saw a little bit more of the drop shots on that as they're coming into the net was it was a bit of a difference what's Alcaraz's weak point in his game oh god where it's hard to find one isn't it yeah. I mean that's what Djokovic alluded to afterwards that he seems to have the best of strengths of the former big three i.e. himself Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer seems yeah. to have the best aspects of everyone's game the mental strength and the shot variety but there has to, surely has to be a weak I mean everyone has a weakness but it's hard to find his. Yeah, if you, yeah, thinking about like uh, I remember years of age as well. Looking back at last year at the U.S. Open, like his return to serve was something that they, that they were saying he could probably improve on a little bit more. You know, it's hard to fault mm. that yesterday. Um, shot decisions some of the times, like you know, obviously he's just got this incredible touch and his drop shots, and sometimes he makes those the wrong decision. But I mean, it seems he made the right decision a little bit more more often than not. It felt a little bit like he was over anxious at times to try and finish the point when actually he's he's got control of this just and it looked like he was wearing Djokovic down which I've never seen 
Yeah. Even after the toilet break. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was like a, an incredible tactical, technical, physical performance from a 20-year-old to overcome. I think he to- totally choked in the first set as well. Uh, why, why, did, why was Djokovic not able to like then just kill him? Because we've seen from a winning position, Djokovic is a cold, hard assassin. And for whatever reason, he started to doubt himself against Alcaraz yesterday. Yeah, it's just that it's so unrelenting, the pressure from Alcaraz. Like, he just doesn't let up. It's just like in play, Djokovic playing Djokovic, you know, there was no let up. And I think Djokovic felt that, you know, throughout that second set as Alcaraz started to find his form. Djokovic knew, like, uh, that, that he, he had to make every ball. Like, he was under pressure, which we don't get, we don't see that often. You know, Djokovic always backs himself in those situations, like a tiebreaker, as he said, like, three love up, you're going, oh, surely this is Djokovic's yeah. match to win. But he knew that the pressure was always there. Like, Alcaraz was making those um, returns he was he was hitting his serve faster than he had in any other match in Wimbledon in any of the previous rounds he was serving harder so he was throwing everything at Djokovic and you could obviously see he was feeling that and, and the frustration showed with Djokovic as well as we saw in the fifth set when he broke a racket like his <laughs> composure kind of started to drop as well he, you, could, you could see he was feeling the nerves or yeah. the pressure Do you think that Djokovic played to his maximum level here? He looked a bit tired to me he looked a bit flat actually at times yeah, maybe not the the Djokovic that we've seen of of earlier years, mm. but I mean he is thirty six, you know. And but it, again, it comes back to Alcaraz and the pressure that he was applying and the amount of court coverage Djokovic had to do. Obviously, he was wearing him down, and he was the drop shots. He was taking Djokovic off the baseline, which is where he's so comfortable and where he dominates everybody is on that baseline. So Alcaraz, with that variety of drop shots, was taking him out of his rhythm of moving side to side, which he's just unbelievably good at making him you know, move forward, move lobbing. He was just move, making him cover the whole court and taking him out of, as I said, of his rhythm on that baseline. He's, I still can't believe it's only Akraz's fourth ever tournament on grass, which just doesn't <laughs> make sense in my, he- my head. But um, can he now go on to dominate on grass? If you asked him that before, well, then I wouldn't have said mm. yes. I mean, it's crazy to think that he's won the US Open on hard court. He's won grass court in Wimbledon and he hasn't won the French Open on clay, which is supposed to be his <laughs> best surface. Do you know, uh, yeah. I think he can go on and do incredible things now. Do you know, I think this, hopefully this will be a rivalry for however long Djokovic lasts in the game. But it is great to, to see, as we you hear, I've heard the changing of the guard finally. And for Alcaraz to do this in Wimbledon against Djokovic is, is mm. a big statement, do you know, for the, the future of the men's game. Mm. The umpires from Dublin, Fergus Murphy, involved at Wimbledon for 28 years, but his first final. How do you think he got on? I thought he actually did great. Yeah, he was brilliant. I'm delighted to see Fergus in the, in the chair there in the final <laughs> yesterday. I know Fergus from from the tennis yeah. uh, game, but well earned, well earned stripe for him. Do you know to get that recognition mm. after 28 years? A long time coming. Do you yeah. think he should have called the time violation earlier than he did? Was the second set tiebreak. I think he eventually called it. Yeah, taking a long time. He was, yeah, that ball bouncing and the toss and like, like that's that's nerves and pressure as well. I know it was windy, but I do think he was using that to his advantage. Oh, it's total uh, gamesmanship. Yeah, he knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. But he, he did call it. Can I ask a question? Is it, I thought when you get your second violation, that's the point deduction. Is it not? I also thought that as well. I was wondering he got two. Yeah, I was like that's normally a point. But yeah, I actually, to be honest... Is there a I, difference was, between a time and a bracket? Yeah, they're different, aren't they? Oh, I think they get, they're yeah, sorry, the yeah, time violation. Different categories. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah, apologies. Okay. Yeah, is, there, is there's a loophole between first and second serves, isn't there? I don't think the clock... They don't count the They don't count the clock in between yeah. the two, no. And uh, he was definitely taking advantage there of the In between, yeah. yeah. But he, he was arguing, you'd see, even... even 
the way he was carrying on mm. was that arguing with the ref, ref over the the time violation he, he as you said he knew exactly what he was doing it was Slow all in an down. effort that seven and a half minute time uh, toilet break after the second set was just a or, or yeah, after the yeah. third set sorry, was just a, a joke well Nick Kyrgios approved of Fergus Murphy's uh, display on Twitter Fergus Murphy comes up that, Nick Kyrgios is saying fair play <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate compliment he likes all the Irish lads Nick Kyrgios <laughs> never mind yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the difference I'm just looking at the stats the um, over the course of the five sets Alcaraz won two more points than Djokovic and they won the same number of games Like that's how close this was really it could absolutely have gone either way which does immediately catapult it into all-time classic the greatest tennis player of all time being beaten by a 20-year-old in Wimbledon centre court in a four and a half hour match it was if anybody missed it go back and watch it like this is all-time great stuff yeah, it definitely. It was definitely worth the, the the watch. Like it was a thrilling match, but it kind of ebbed and flowed. Like if you look at the scoreline, you know, six one to Djokovic, and then seven six. That second set was so tight. The third set, we had that twenty six minute game in the third set, which oh, uh, that was unbelievable. Mm. The tennis, the tennis in that game, and that set the tone then for the rest of the third set. I think Djokovic almost not quite tanked, but like he started just serving volleying and wasn't. He kind of was maybe conserving energy for that fourth set, and then he had that tactical timeout there, which then changed, I think, altered the momentum Seven of the fourth minutes. set. Yeah, um, and then that fifth set, Alcaraz was steely. Alcaraz was what we would mm. call jo- would yeah. say Djokovic was yeah. like. Yeah. He was just unbelievable with his his return game. I thought he didn't return as well, but he served yeah. incredible incredibly well like that last service game at 5-4 serving for the championship like against Djokovic he made 6 out of 6 first serves yeah. like that's yeah. incredible mm. and Djokovic made 5 out of 6 returns so I mean like he knuckled down and you could almost feel like Djokovic was like okay I'm still here I'm, I'm going to break you like there's no way you're going to serve for this serve it out mm. and he just he really held his nerve it was just incredible the match just oh, ebbed and flowed back and forth you never can count Djokovic out but I really didn't I, I'm still in shock that Alcaraz won that match I, I totally just, like because Djokovic made two unforced errors in the first set two he made 13 in the second yeah. but he had set, like as you say set point in that second set tie break and two backhands into the net like two easy backhands for him yeah. like I don't know what was up with him but like after the match anyway like everyone was saying this is the start of a new era now Carlos Alcaraz but a new era suggests more than one player at least for me it seems like it's now going to be once Djokovic eventually retires and I think Nadal's last year is next year yeah. is it really going to be Alcaraz and the rest well, we'll see like who else is going to, for you who else is actually going to challenge Alcaraz yeah well well, I think if Djokovic is going to retire in the next few years like Alcaraz we're going to see Alcaraz dominance over the next maybe three to five years and in that time mm. that's going to drag up the, the players below like that will raise their level because they're going to have to try and figure out a way to beat him but there's going to be a, a period of dominance now for Alcaraz I see over the next three years definitely but I mean we've been talking about the next gen for the last five to eight mm. years you know Zverev yeah, yeah. Pass, Rublev like these Medvedev and they just Medvedev okay yeah he's he's won a Grand Slam at least but it, it there's it's like it just hasn't happened. So, is there a new wave like Holgaruna? You know, the, yeah. those younger guys. That, um, will they will they surpass the Titsi Pass and survive? I think they're mm. those guys. Their yeah, their moment yeah, like might Sinner be passed. Um, and Sinner, yeah. Djokovic won't want Brad Pitt any more of his matches. <laughs> no, he was at the US Open, Open final in 2021 <laughs> yeah, when Djokovic was going for the calendar slam against Medvedev. When yeah. Djokovic lost in straight sets, he's he there too. Hugh Jackman yesterday was uh, there as a guest. Djokovic. Saw that. Say that again. Hugh Jackman was one of his guests. Was Djokovic? Okay. Yeah. yeah, afterwards, uh, Alcaraz shook his hand and uh, Djokovic's wife's hand too. They were with each other. Yeah. Ah, he's yeah. a class act though, Alcaraz. And it's just, yeah. he was, he's his just speech a was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he's only 20 and he just seems so mature 
on and off the court. Um, yeah, he's just he's he's definitely a, a true champion and somebody to watch now for the next 10, 12 years. We were talking about the women's earlier on and um, uh, Colin was giving no credit to the winner, saying that it was all Angebert's doing that she lost. Uh, heart. <laughs> well, heart, firm but fair probably on that one, I'd say. Like, uh, you have to give Androshva, you know, her due for winning. She, I mean, it was a, a Grand Slam, Wimbledon Grand Slam final, like the biggest stage. She still had to perform to a certain degree, although it was Jabir's crumbling. That was just painful to watch. It was, yeah, it was tough viewing. I uh, was saying to you there outside, Jenny, I was thinking it's going to be the answer to a quiz question five to ten years time. Who won the women's 2023 Wimbledon title? And I have a feeling that most people in that pub will think of Anz Jabur because the narrative is so dominant around her. But Marketa van Joseva is kind of going under the radar, like 24 years of age, her second slam final and her first win. Like I was saying earlier to Jaren Shane that I think Madrusova is nothing more than a good player. But what do you think seeing her game? She's a talented player. She's a bit quite like Jabur, like the the way that they play and like that kind of crafty um, can use variety to to mix up the play. Unlike the the top three that we've been talking about, Shantek and Sablenka and Rebecca, who hit the ball with so much brute force and power. Van Joshua seems to have a little bit more um, like style and variety, yeah. but I don't think she's even as good as Jabur on it. On a good, on a on a very oh, right. good day. However, if you look back, Van Joshua beat Jabir in Australian Open this year and in the Indian Wells. So there's there was you know history there between the two. But this was Jabir's match to to win. And like I mean, Van Joshua, you can't say she just had to put the ball on the court. She did play tactically well. She played a different game to what Jabir had played in the three previous rounds. You know, she was playing with heavy topspin. She was drop shotting Jabir, but Jabir made so many. She made three Crazy. times the amount of unforced Crazy. errors than Van Joshua. Uh, this is the time to remind everyone that Jenny Claffey did beat Hans Jabir 6-love, <laughs> 6-love. Now three-time Grand Slam finalist Hans Jabir. Uh, Jabir said afterwards on the court, like, amid all her tears, which is totally understandable. And like, it's been horrible last year for her in that way. She said, I promise I'll be back and I promise I'll win this tournament. Do you think she will? Uh, you want to think that she's going to be able to overcome three Grand Slam final losses. This one will probably, be, well, she said, but probably will be the toughest to take because this was the one where we all felt she was the favourite and she obviously felt that herself with the way that she performed with so much pressure and the weight of the world on her shoulders. But, you know, I fear for her that, you know, she may not overcome this. Um, I'd want, as I said, like, I'd love for her to finally win one and what that would do for her and for the Arab, like, all the countries and Africa and putting them on the map, although she's already done that. I just fear that, you know, will she, can she come back from this? Not just from this, but just can she push on now and improve and win? A title. Yeah. If you asked me that before the final, I would have said yes, definitely. Okay. This was Wimbledon was hers. She'd beaten, she'd proven, she'd beaten Kvitova, she'd beaten Rabakina, she'd beat Sabalenka, come yeah. back from those in matches where she was down and showed great character, great strength, and then just fell apart. Like, yeah, last week on the show, we had a big debate that took off the best <coughs> GA players never to win an All Ireland. Like, she could be, she could be that. the front runner of the best player never to win a slam. Like, she's still, I think, 27. Like, she's more than enough time. She's probably the most gifted player on the tour, is she? On yeah, her day? Most, definitely the most talented with the most variety, definitely, yeah, that. Yeah. And can play any types of shots from anywhere on the course. She can play with power, she can play with spin, she can play with all the slice. She mixes up her game. Yeah, like she has it all. But what comes down is between the two years, you know, can she, in those big moments, like the finals, can she win? She, it happened last year, last year's final against Rebecca as well. She won the first set and then just didn't, you know, keep the chokehold on 
her opponent. And in, in the final on Saturday, you know, she was 3-1 up in both sets. And once she got ahead, it's almost like that's when she she just she just fell apart. So she was better when it was it was closer and then yep. once she got the lead she just crumbled. Like she was making such uncharacteristic errors, like unforced errors. And Von Dosha only had ten winners in the match. But that's like yeah. and, and Jabor Hish has said yeah. three times the amount of So you don't errors. think that this is gonna be the um the birth of Von Joseph being a top five player for the next couple of seasons at this because I, I was making the point that she obviously was really good as a 19 year old to be able to reach the French Open final and then injuries and Covid and everything happens and she's had surgery on both wrists I think or yeah, certainly definitely on the yeah she's on the left when she was there last year as a spectator yeah. with the, yeah. so, the like is there a possibility that that's just been stunted and now she does become somebody who uses the array that she has against the power hitters you know, we're, I'm afraid to say that about about any players. Like, you know, the hype that goes around. Oh, they've won one Grand Slam. Like, I don't know if you remember uh, Krachikova, who won like the Roland Garros there two years ago in singles and doubles. And we thought, oh, she's the next. And then Raducanu won the US Open, and she was the next big thing. Evandrosha, yeah. mm-hmm. she's at least a bit older, <laughs> at 24, and maybe able to deal with this. Yeah, the the pressures yeah. and what comes with being a Wimbledon champion. Yeah, um, well, she obviously was able to manage the pressure of, of playing in a, in a Wimbledon final. She, yes, she'd been there in in Roland Garros. You know, she's used to that being that stage of a tournament. That's the hardest part is getting over that line. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Does okay. she have? Yeah, she's a marked woman now. That's the thing. She came in under the radar completely here. Yeah, in super. It'll be interesting first, to see that first unseeded player to win. Wimbledon in the, in the open, open era. era, yeah, which is incredible. But she didn't play like an unseeded player, you know. Like she played you know, very she's, free. She's enough quality there, but I'm not sure about the star quality. Camille, you weren't content with analysing the two Wimbledon finals over the weekend. You had your own success. <laughs> uh, I was uh, involved in a, an All Ireland final in, in uh, football and soccer with uh, my club, Terranier Rangers. Yeah. Fair, we like. are the champions. Oh, you won. <laughs> yeah. right. Congratulations. Yeah, so it was awesome. Some people have it all. Like, do you know? <laughs> Where do you play? In ter- I play for Terranier Rangers uh, up in Bushy Park. Oh, what position? Oh, left wing. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. You so left footed? Left footed, yeah. You left handed? No, right handed. Oh. Yeah, maybe uh, that's where the secret lies, you know. What hand do you play paddle with? <laughs> <laughs> a mix between the both if I'm playing Colm I'll play left-handed if I'm playing Carland <laughs> I'll play right-handed <laughs> and are you going to the Olympics what's the, I, what's the crack how does that work yeah so I, well with paddle yeah. uh, for next year in Paris it's not officially a sport but they are taught, there's talk about like doing another like showcase event yeah. of paddle so I could potentially be going to the Olympics to, but not winning a medal but let's see anyway maybe 2028 in LA it'll be in, in the Olympics and we'll see where my paddle career Right, okay. Tough, the tough. Yeah, Jesus, well done. Uh, right, well, we must talk to you about the paddle again, probably, because I, I haven't chatted to you about it. But it's an incredible, like, explosion in the popularity of the sport. Yeah, it's been amazing, fast-growing sport in the world at the moment. It's taken off here. It's just, it? yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and it's taken off in Ireland. But we just don't have the amount, the an, um, enough courts yeah. for the demand that's there. So, and then by the end of the year, we'll have double the amount of courts there. So it should be fifty paddle courts. And Sorry, no, I know we're way over time. It has to be doubles, is it? Paddle doubles has, yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, it'll always be doubles. So you and me versus. Oh, now we're on the same Adrian. side. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah up no. in Bushy Park. Let's say, do you, it. you get the Olympian slash. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't sound right. That sounds fair. Yeah. Adrian's all talk, like, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, <laughs> no cameras. Uh, okay, on tomorrow's show, James Tracy, Malachi O'Rourke, all the reactions to the weekend's football, World Cup build up, and we'll do some transfer news to get the Man United fans excited about the signing of Onana, I promise. Uh, right now, the best of the Sunday pay per view. Have a marvellous Monday. Jenny, thanks. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball